What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to the 2017 NFL Playoffs. Yes, folks, it is time for Wild Card Weekend of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2017-2018 NFL season. The playoffs are upon us. It did not shape up at all like I thought it would, which means the records from last week, not exactly the greatest. Let's get into that. Let's do my ratings from last week, my season ratings all across the season, straight up against the spread and over-under, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze, the pick'em leagues, all that good stuff. Before we get into our predictions for Wild Card Weekend in the AFC and the NFC. You may also notice I sound a bit different. It sounds a bit different behind me. We're in a different recording location this week. I got a rather sick household this week, so I'm just trying to get this in early in the morning before I'm disturbing anybody who's not feeling as good as I'm feeling right now. So we're in a different location, recording under different circumstances, but we're going to get this thing done. And it's going to be golden. Last week, week 17, closing out the regular season, it was like the definition of mediocre for me. It was the definition of middle of the road. Straight up, I only went 9 and 7. Now, that was good enough to bring me in my personal best straight up picks on a full regular season. That had me 167 and 89 straight up for the 2017 regular season. Again, that's a personal best for me, getting 167 picks correct in one season. Against the spread, only went 7-9, and nine, like my third straight down week against the spread. So against the spread, we only finish 119, 126, and 11. It's poor it's not good enough. It's not what I expect from myself. And I know it's not what you guys expect from me. I vow to be better in the playoffs and to be better next season. And that goes for the over-under as well. We did pull a 500 record in week 17 at exactly 8-8. Eight and eight, But that only had me 120, 133, and 3 on the over-under this season. Once again, I pledge to be better next year. And the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze, it was just a reflection of how we did in week 17. Straight up, it was only 2-2, two and two, and I lost out, I believe for the first time this season, I lost out on my platinum and my gold straight up. So that's the two most confident picks of the week. They both went out the window. So only 2-2 two and two straight up, and only 2-2 two and two against the spread, but we did pull a decent 3-1 and one record on the over-under, in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. My bronze pick was a straight-up win. I told you to take New England to beat the Jets. They did that 26-6. Against the spread, we lost that one, as I told you to take the Jets, plus 15.5. They lost the game by 20. And it was an over-under loss. I told you to go over the 44-point total, and it only got to 32. Silver pick told you to take the Chargers over the Raiders, and they did that. They tripled them up, in fact, 30 to 10. It was an against the spread loss because for the second week in a row, I told you to take Oakland on the underdog side, and they had just looked like they've given up. So that didn't work out against the spread loss, but we did win the over under. I told you to say under the 42 points, they only get to 40. My platinum and my gold pick wound up being perfect parallels for each other. We lost both of them straight up. But we won both of them against the spread and won both of them over under. Gold pick told you to take Seattle to beat Arizona. They did not do that. Arizona wins that game 26-24 to in the process eliminating Seattle from the playoffs and winning what would ultimately be 
Bruce Arians' last game as head coach, winning the final game with Carson Palmer on their roster as an active NFL player, or not really active, I guess, because he's injured, but as an NFL player, both of those players choosing, or the player and the coach, rather, choosing to retire. See, I'm really, I'm really flustered not being in the same place. They've both retired. And the platinum pick, I told you to take Baltimore to beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati wins that game on a last-second touchdown, which knocks the Ravens out of the playoffs and sends the Bills to the playoffs for the first time in, what did we say, 17 years, something like that? Against the spread, I told you to take both the underdogs in those matchups, Arizona plus 9.5 and and Cincinnati plus 9.5. Both of those work out because they both won the game. And the over-unders, I told you to take over 38.5 points in the Arizona win and over 39.5 points in the Cincinnati win. Both of those work out. Arizona-Seattle gets to 50. Cincinnati-Baltimore gets to 58. So with that, my final results on the 2017 regular season for the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks. The bronze pick finishes 15-2 and two straight up. 9-8 and eight against the spread, and that abysmal 3-13-1 on the over-under, where that's where a lot of my over-under struggles came from this season. My silver pick, 14-3 straight up, 12-5 against the spread, which is my best against the spread mark in any of these picks, and only 7-10 on the over-under. My gold pick, 12-5 straight up on the season, 9-8 against the spread, and a best for these picks on the over-under at 10-7. And And the platinum pick, also 12-5 straight up, also 9-8 against the spread, and and 9-7-1 on the over-under, so above 500 across the board in that pick as well. Taking a look now at the Bridgewater's Finest and Hatbox Pick'em Pools for Season 6 of my show and Year 4 of Hatbox's Pool. In the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, I've slid down now to 8th place out of 35 managers making picks. 1,464 out of the 2,066 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 71%, which again in any other season basically has been a championship clip. Not this year, clearly. Week 17, I only brought in 68 of 136 possible confidence points, exactly 50% with only going 9-7 and seven and losing out on some really high picks. Shout out to our Week 17 winner, and we just keep calling this guy's name. West Coast Martin had an incredible end to the season. I think won, what, like three of the final four weeks or something like that? West Coast Martin having himself a white-hot run. Went 10-6 and six in Week 17, brought in 104 out of 136 possible confidence points. That's 76%, and that's good enough to win the week. More than a Thielen remains our overall leader, but he does have some confidence point company. Both More Than a Thielen and Nice Pats fan have 1,526 out of 2,066 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 74%. Technically, they're tied for the lead, but I personally am giving the edge to more than a Thielen because he's got the better straight-up record. He's got 176 and 80. Nice Pats fan has 175 and 81. So we're giving the edge to more than a Thielen for remaining the overall leader, but Nice Pats fan right there i don't think i've ever seen the regular season end in our pool with the confidence points with two teams with the exact same number at the end of the regular season very cool so shout out to more than a tealan and nice pats fan for technically being the co overall leaders in the hatbox pool i've slid down into a tie for seventh place out of the 39 people making picks with apparently 168 
correct picks out of the 256 regular season games played. So apparently I made a pick in the Hatbox pool, changed it, but didn't change it in the Hatbox pool, and I actually ended up getting it right. So I have one more correct pick in the Hatbox pool than I did with my official straight-up record. So 168 out of 256, that's a clip of 66%, and I'm never going to argue with getting two-thirds of the games correct. In Week 17, brought in 9 of the 16 games correct, obviously going 9 and 7, that's a clip of 56%. In Week 17, 5 teams all tied for the weekly best mark at 11 and 5 in Week 17, which is pretty damn impressive. 11 of the 16 games picked correctly, that's a clip of 69%. And speaking of 69%, that's the season clip that Rel Eagles Fly has remaining the overall leader in that pool at the end of the regular season with 177 correct straight up picks on the season. That is a hell of a mark. So shout out to West Coast Martin and the five teams that tied for the week 17 win and to more than a teal and nice Pats fan and Rel Eagles Fly for being the overall leaders in the pick'em pools. And I'll take this opportunity, as always, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or of the audio file on SoundCloud or iTunes, you are going to find all of my results from Week 17, all of my straight-up, against-the-spread, and over-under plays for a wildcard weekend in the 2017-2018 NFL season. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and Hatbox Pick'em Pools for Season 6 and Year 4. Both of those pools continue all the way through the playoffs, so if you have some excellent playoff picks, boy, you can get yourself shouted out, or girl, on this show at the end of the week if your picks are good enough. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. It's an excellent page. All your favorite progs are there. Wildcard Weekend videos are already up and ready for you to check out. You got to make sure that you get on that page. Check out your favorite progs. Get in on the conversations. You're going to find information on subscribing to the Hatbox Nation YouTube channel. I'm going to try to continue to do a little piece of content for them all throughout the playoffs. Hopefully that works out. And you're also going to find information on NerdTees, nerdtees.ca. Use the promo code BWFINEST. Going to save you 15% at checkout and free shipping in Canada on any orders over 50 bucks. It makes an awesome gift or a gift to yourself because you know what? Charity and giving begins at home. So why not buy a little something for yourself? NerdTees.ca, promo code BWFINEST. Baby, this is what you came for. 2017 NFL playoff predictions. We're going to start in the AFC before we move to the NFC. In the AFC, of course, the Patriots and the Steelers on by as the number one and number two seeds. In the AFC on wildcard weekend, the number six Buffalo Bills who slid into the playoffs in the last day in week 17 via the Cincinnati Bengals win, which by the way, Bills fans donating like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to Andy Dalton's charitable foundation because of that. That is just an awesome story. You hear like negative things about Bills fans based on the way they tailgate and the craziness and everything. The Bills fan base, that's a good bunch of people right there to turn around and take that and be like, how can we give back to this guy that's basically the major reason that we're in the playoffs and donating thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to his charity? 
That's incredible. So big ups to you, Buffalo Bills fan base. Hell of a way to get thanked for it, though. As the number six seed, you have to travel to the number three seed, Jacksonville Jaguars, where you're likely to not have your best player. So the number six Buffalo Bills will travel to the number three Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville is a nine-point favorite at home, and the total in this game is set at 39.5 points. Buffalo Bills finished the regular season 9-7 and seven in the second place position in the AFC East. The Bills were 7-5 and five against AFC opponents this year, so five of their seven losses coming against the AFC. And they were only 2-4 and four on the road against the AFC. So four of those five losses coming away from home. The Jags, meanwhile, finished the regular season 10-6, winning the AFC South. They were 9-3 against AFC opponents, and five of those nine wins came on home field. The Jags only lost one game at home all season against an AFC opponent. The offenses are barely comparable here. Buffalo's the number 29 ranked total offense in football. Jacksonville, meanwhile, number six. Buffalo had the second worst pass offense in football this season jacksonville was only middle of the pack of course you know blake bortles and he's going to have his issues they were number 17 this is a battle however of two top 10 run offenses on the season buffalo coming in at number six jacksonville the number one run offense in football this season behind guys like Leonard Fournette, obviously at the top of that list. And in terms of scoring offenses, Jacksonville, a top five scoring offense this season at number five. Buffalo, you got to go a bit further down the list at number 22. And again, you talk about the Bills having that number six run offense. They're not likely to have LaShawn McCoy in this game, so they certainly are not a top 10 run offense without him. Take a look at the defensive side of things. It's just more of the same. The Bills, the number 26 total defense in football this season, whereas Jacksonville was the number two, an incredible defensive season for the Jags this season, including being the number one pass defense in football. Now, I don't think Buffalo is going to be throwing the ball a ton here, at least not by choice, but whenever they do, they know they're throwing into the best secondary in football. Buffalo, the number 20 pass defense in football, and the third worst run defense in football as well at number 29 in the NFL. Or sorry, I suppose that would be the number four because you have 32, 31, and 30. Still, they're in the bottom five in terms of run defense. Jacksonville, not exactly great. They're only the number 21 run defense in football, statistically anyway. But obviously, that's a big boon to probably not have to play LaShawn McCoy. Or if they are playing against LaShawn McCoy, he's definitely not at 100%. Jags are the number two scoring defense in football this season, giving up barely any points per game really buffalo a little lower than middle of the pack at 18 based on points versus points against for both teams your average game jacksonville against buffalo is going to end somewhere in the area of 24 to 18 in favor of the jags put that average game in jacksonville based on home and away results it gets a little bigger buffalo still scores 18 points Jacksonville ramps it up a little bit. Offense gets a little better, scoring 27. In their last four games, however, how did they play to close out the season? It's always worth looking at. Jags were only 2-2 two and two in their last four games. Buffalo was 3-1 and one in order to get in, which means you're looking at, what, a 6-6 six and six football team 
with four games left. They get in at seven and nine. So look, they did their job in the last four. That average game, it's a little bit closer. Buffalo scores a few more points, but you're still looking at Jags 25, Bills 21. Major storylines heading into this game, obviously the biggest storyline is LaShawn McCoy and whether or not he's actually going to play. Right now, everyone that's talking about this situation is using terms like could, has a chance, it's a close call. I've seen some people now officially downgrade him to doubtful. My thoughts on it is, look, LaShawn McCoy is going to play. I think he's going to be on a, on a snap count. And when he is in there... A lot of it's going to be a decoy. He's not going to be overly effective in this game, especially against an incredible defense. If they were playing like a weak defense that just kind of snuck into the playoffs, maybe there's a chance. And McCoy always has that home run ability. But I mean, look, it was a sprained ankle. That is a killer injury for a running back, especially one that bases his ability on his agility that's a nice rhyme there but I mean look he he bases that on you know east west cuts and it's very difficult to do on a sprained ankle also kind of interesting to point out here neither one of these teams has recent playoff experience you're talking about the Bills who haven't been in and I think it was 17 years the Jags I think it's been what 10 I think the last time Jacksonville was in was 2007 in my opinion, that's more detrimental to the favorite because you've got a team here in Jacksonville at home that's favored by nine points that haven't been to the playoffs in the last 10 years. So I think that kind of pressure is way more detrimental to the favorite than it is to the underdog because that only reinforces that underdog mentality. There is absolutely a chance that an underdog comes up here, sure you can the favorite and wins this football game. If LaShawn McCoy was 100%, he's not 100%, and Buffalo's not going to do that in this football game. I'm going to go Jacksonville 27, Buffalo 10. So obviously I like the Jags straight up in the 6 versus 3 matchup. I like Jacksonville to cover the minus 9 against the spread in a game that stays under the 39.5 points. That's my pick in Buffalo-Jacksonville. And in the other AFC wildcard matchup, the number five seeded Tennessee Titans will hit the road and go to Kansas City to take on the number four seed KC Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by nine points in this game at home with the total set at 44. Titans finished the regular season at 9-7 and seven in the second place position in the AFC South. They were 8-4 and four against AFC opponents this season. But three of those four losses came away from home, just three and three on the road. Chiefs, meanwhile, finished the regular season at 10 and six in the number one position, winning the AFC West. They were also eight and four against the AFC. Slightly better record at home at four and two. As far as I'm concerned, Tennessee has to make this game a battle of offense versus defense because comparing the two offenses, Tennessee's not going to be able to hang. Kansas City, a top 10 offense across the board this season. The number five total offense, the number seven pass offense, the number nine run offense behind Kareem Hunt, and the number six scoring offense in football this season. And Tennessee relatively cannot compete with that. Tennessee was the number 23 total offense and pass offense 
in the NFL this season. Little bit better on the run, number 15 total run offense behind the duo of DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, and we'll talk about that in a second. And Tennessee was the number 19 scoring offense in football this season, so below average. But where Tennessee can definitely compete and can make things interesting in this football game is on the defensive side because comparatively, they're not exactly like defenses in a number of ways. Tennessee, the number 13 total defense in football this season, so slightly above average. Kansas City all the way down at number 28. Tennessee, the number 25 pass defense in football this season. The secondary, despite having really talented pieces, did struggle in terms of yardage allowed. And that's actually pretty similar with Kansas City. Kansas City, the fourth worst pass defense in football this season at number 29. Tennessee really did excel stopping the run this season. They were a top five run defense coming in at number four. Kansas City, number 25. They really struggled to stop the run this season, which has to be where Tennessee has to control the game when they have the football, which they're certainly capable of doing with the combination of DeMarco and Derrick Henry. But despite those really lopsided numbers for Kansas City, not ranking any higher than 25th, in any of the three categories we've talked about. In terms of scoring defense, which is really the most important thing, points on the board versus points not on the board, Kansas City actually has a slight edge. It's only by about a point a game, I think a little bit less than a point a game. Kansas City, the number 15 scoring defense in football, which means despite giving up all that yardage, they were really a very heavily bend, but don't break defense you know, 28, 29, and 25th rating overall, and only being the number 15 scoring defense, that's actually pretty good. The Titans coming in as the number 17 scoring defense in football, which you might have expected that to be a little bit higher, given how well they were able to stop the run. Your average football game between these two this season heads up. It's a pretty close one. It's an entertaining one. KC 24, Tennessee 21. Put the game in Kansas City. The Chiefs' defense definitely plays better at home. Tennessee's offense plays markedly, measurably worse on the road. That game becomes 24-18. to 18. And in the last four games overall, the Kansas City Chiefs have been on fire. They won all four of those games, playing really well, peaking at the right time, heading into the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Titans... Kind of limping in, to be perfectly honest. Titans only 1-3 and three in their last four games. And on average, that game then becomes KC 24, Tennessee 17. Major storylines heading into this game. On Tennessee's side, actually they're both going to be on Tennessee's side. There is a chance, apparently, and this is sort of the chatter that I'm hearing, that head coach Mike Malarkey could still be fired despite the fact that the Titans made the playoffs. Now, what he says about it is, oh, I'm too busy to think about it, obviously, with a playoff game coming up. But that's just BS. That's one of those things that you just tell the media. There's no way you're too busy to be thinking about it. You have to be thinking about it. It has to be on your mind. And will that reflect in this football game, if Tennessee gets down a little bit and Malarkey knows, Jesus, this could be my job. Maybe I could save my job if we win this game. We're just going to have to get more aggressive. And then Mariota starts making more mistakes. The game really gets away from him and Malarkey kind of shoots himself in the foot and is fired. I would be really interested to hear Keith Bailey's opinion on this. 
as like the Tennessee Titans super fan and the guy that went at least like 15 and one picking the Titans this season with or against. So I'd be really interested to hear Keith Bailey's opinion on the whole Mike Malarkey situation. Do you think he will be fired? What do you guys think? And then, as I mentioned before, there's the whole DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry debate. To me, it's not a debate. I think Derrick Henry has outplayed DeMarco Murray basically all season. And I'm really not sure why the reps are still the way that they are between these two. It it seems clear to me that Derrick Henry needs to be the unquestioned, undisputed starting running back in Tennessee and get as many reps as possible. But that's a question mark. Who plays the most? Clearly, Malarkey and the offense are more comfortable and more confident in DeMarco Murray, but he's not playing as well as Derrick Henry is. Add on to that, I think DeMarco Murray's still a little banged up, not exactly 100% healthy for this game. Does that mean more Derrick Henry? Or do they continue to hold Derrick Henry back and sort of try to force the DeMarco Murray thing? If they do that, I don't think this football game is going to be close. They're not going to be able to compete with the offense of Kansas City. Despite how well the Chiefs have played in their last four games and how poorly Tennessee's played in their last four games, despite the question marks at running back, the head coach situation, all of that, I do think this stays a very close football game. I'm going to give it to Kansas City. Because I think, A, Kansas City's the better football team top to bottom. And they're at home. I'm going to give them the edge here. Let's go Kansas City 23, Tennessee 20. So we like the Chiefs, obviously, to win straight up. Maybe Kansas City wins it on a last-second field goal. Who knows? But we're definitely going to take the Tennessee Titans plus 9 in this matchup. Because this is one of the closer matchups this week. Tennessee could win this game. We're definitely going to take those nine points in a game that stays under the 44 and a half point total, or sorry, under the 44 point total. That's the pick in Kansas City, Tennessee. All right, folks, let's move to the NFC now, where obviously the Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings are on by as the number one and number two seeds. We're going to start with that six versus three matchup, just like we did in the AFC. The Atlanta Falcons as the number six seed. They got in. They won in week 17. Win and you're in. They did that. They're in there. The Atlanta Falcons get to travel to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Los Angeles are six and a half point favorites in this football game with the total set at 48 and a half. Atlanta finished the regular season 10 and 6, the number 3 team in the NFC South, 3 NFC South teams making the playoffs in the NFC. They were 9 and 3 against NFC opponents, and 4 of those 9 wins came on the road. 4 and 2 on the road against NFC opponents this season. The Rams, meanwhile, finished the season 11 and 5, winning the NFC West, knocking the Seahawks off of that division title and kind of as the you know the kings of that division well the rams were the kings this season first place in the nfc west they're only seven and five against the nfc now that means two things it means they went undefeated against the afc but it means all of their losses this season came against nfc opponents that they potentially might have to get through in order to get to the super bowl more concerning than that in games against nfc opponents Four of those five losses came in Los Angeles. That's a tough pill to swallow. Two and four at home against the NFC. 
Two very comparable offenses here going to be going head-to-head, certainly in terms of the yardage. Atlanta, the number eight total offense in football. The Rams, the number 10 total offense in football. And that's the same with the pass offense. Atlanta, number eight total pass offense. The Rams, number 10 total pass offense. In terms of the run game, we're going to give the slight edge to Todd Gurley and the Rams. The Rams, the number eight run offense in football. Atlanta, right around a little bit higher than middle of the pack at number 13 with their two-headed monster of Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. But in terms of scoring, that's where the comparisons end. The Rams had the number one scoring offense in football this season. Atlanta, right around middle of the pack at 15. While we're going to give the slight edge to the Rams on offense, you got to give the defensive edge to the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta, the number nine total defense in football this season, just squeaking into the top 10. The Rams, below average. They were the number 19 total defense. The secondaries, pretty damn comparable. Number 12 and number 13 in the NFL this season. Slight edge to the Atlanta Falcons. Run defense, there is no comparison. The Falcons, a top 10 run defense this season at number nine. The Rams, one of the worst run defenses in football this season at number 28. Falcons coming up with a number eight scoring defense in football. Rams just outside the top 10 at number 12. So the strategy for the Atlanta Falcons is definitely clear here. Exploit that vulnerable run defense of the LA Rams. Your average game between these two teams head-to-head this season, tight game, close game, we're going to give the edge to the Rams 25-22. to Put the game in Los Angeles, the Rams defense steps up a little bit more, Falcons offense plays about the same that they about the same that they do just sort of on the season. We're going to go Rams 25, Falcons 21. But When you look at how the teams have played coming into the playoffs, and we talked about the Rams making a mistake last week in week 17 in resting Goff, Gurley, and Donald. It's a mistake because you're talking about a franchise that is not used to winning. The Rams franchise is not used to winning, and I don't think I'm being offensive in saying that. It's not a franchise that's used to winning. So you do that and you sit your best players, you lose your game, you go into the playoffs on a down note. The Rams were only 2-2 two and two in their last four games, not playing their best football, peaking at the right time, which is what you want to be doing. As far as I'm concerned, the Rams are not doing that. A team that is peaking at the right time, the Atlanta Falcons. They won three of their last four games coming in. They won in Week 17. Even though they're the road team here and they're the underdog, they're the team that's got the momentum. You look at the two teams in the last four, this is a dead heat, 24-24. Anything can happen in that game. Storylines in this game, obviously we just talked about it, are the Rams on defense capable of stopping Atlanta's run game. In those last four games, like we talked about, where Atlanta is 3-1, and one, they've only found the end zone twice on the ground, but they've put up 460 yards. That's a buck 15 per game. If Atlanta gets over a buck 15, a buck 20, a buck 30. If it really starts to kind of climb up there and they can control this football game on the ground, the Rams are going to be in a lot of trouble. They can score their way out of trouble, kind of like the Leafs in the NHL. They can score their way out of trouble, but will they be able to on a game-by-game basis in one game where it's winner goes ahead and loser goes home? You never know what can happen. 
My other question heading into this one is how much does Atlanta's playoff experience from just last year, 2016, they went to the Super Bowl, sure they lost, but they had to win at least two games, if not three, to get there. So that's a ton of playoff experience. This team is mostly the same as it was last year. So how much does that experience from last year come into play and maybe come into play even more against a team that's making their first playoff appearance since 2004. We just talked about, like, this is not a team that's used to winning and used to success. They had an incredible turnaround this season. From, what was it, 4-12 and 12 or 3-13 and 13 or something to 11-5 and and winning a division? It was an incredible turnaround for the Rams, but they have not made the playoffs since 2004, and I think that's going to come into play here. The Falcons know how to turn on that other gear. They did it last year. They know how to do it. They're capable of doing it, especially on the offensive side. I think they're coming into this football game mostly healthy. I like the Atlanta Falcons in this game. I really do. I'm not going to trust the Rams here just because I need to see them do it in the playoffs. They were incredible this regular season. That's great. They have a ton of things to feel proud about winning that division. I don't trust it in the playoffs, especially given how much they struggled at home against NFC teams. I'm going to take the Falcons in this game. We're going to go Atlanta 29, Los Angeles 24. So obviously we're going to take the Falcons here straight up. And against the spread, I love the underdog play here. Atlanta plus six and a half in a game that goes over 48 and a half points. That's my pick in Atlanta, Los Angeles. In the fourth and final game this weekend, we're going to look at the number five seed Carolina Panthers have to hit the road to go to number four division rival New Orleans. And this is probably my most anticipated and most exciting game, the one that I'm most looking forward to this weekend. New Orleans is a seven point favorite at home in a game that's got the total set at 48 and a half. Both of these teams finished the regular season at 11-5. Saints winning the NFC South on a tiebreaker. Carolina finishing in second place in that division. The Saints were 4-2 against the NFC South this season, including winning three, all three actually, of their home games inside this division this season. Carolina was 3-3 three three against the division, so not exactly a huge drop-off there, but they did lose two of their three games on the road, only 1-2 and two away from their home building. New Orleans, 8-4 against the NFC this season, including a 4-2 and two mark at home. Three of those four wins obviously coming within the division. Carolina, 7-5 and five against the NFC, 3-3 three and three on the road, so slight edges here going to the New Orleans Saints. On the offensive side, these two teams barely comparable, but I guess comparable in some ways. Carolina, the number 19 total offense in football this season, but New Orleans, just another season of being a top five and in fact, a top two total offense this season at number two. The pass offenses barely look like they're playing the same sport from a statistical perspective. Carolina, the number 28 pass offense in football, the New Orleans Saints, Top five once again behind Drew Brees at exactly number five. Now the run offenses is where you can really compare the two teams. Carolina, the number four run offense in football, and New Orleans for the first time in what feels like forever, a top five run offense in their own right at exactly number five. And trust me, it's in the run game that I think this game's going to be decided. Carolina, the number 12 scoring offense in football this season, New Orleans, 
again, top five, top five across the board here. New Orleans, a top five. They're number four scoring offense in football. On the defensive side, the two teams are pretty comparable, but I got to give the edge here, slight edge to the Carolina Panthers. Carolina, number seven total defense in football this season. New Orleans down a little below average at number 17. The secondaries, the pass defenses, slight edge to New Orleans. Number 15 pass defense in football. Carolina at number 19, a bit below average. The run defense, though. Carolina, a top five run defense in football this season at number three in the NFL. An excellent season for them. New Orleans, pretty well exactly middle of the pack at number 16. And in terms of the scoring defenses, New Orleans 10, Carolina 11. Pretty well right on par with each other. But got to give the slight edge to Carolina in terms of giving up fewer yardage and really being able to stop the run. Your average games between these two teams, just incredible how close, obviously being division rivals, how close these games would be. Your average game heads up New Orleans against Carolina. We're looking New Orleans 24, Carolina 22. That's only a two-point spread. Put the game in New Orleans. The Saints score one extra point at 25. Carolina holds fast at 22. The last four games overall, New Orleans only two and two in those four games. Carolina at three and one to propel them into the playoffs here. It, it's tie, it's dead even. It's a dead heat. It's 23-23. Pretty well exactly like what game was it that we looked at there that was like that? It was the previous game, actually. The Rams and Falcons were 24-24. And all that just reaffirms why this is probably my favorite game of the week. Storylines heading into this football game, Carolina has to approach this game as them being on a quest for redemption. And it goes all the way back to the Super Bowl 50 loss where they got embarrassed against Denver. You add on to that 6-10 and 10 last season, missing the playoffs. You add on to that, they were 0-2 against New Orleans this season. They were outscored in those games 65-34. to 34. Basically, they were embarrassed in those football games by a couple of touchdowns each. Carolina has to look at this game like it is their redemption quest, and if they beat the Saints, they can beat anybody. Like we talked about with the Panthers being the number three run defense in football, they're the team between these two in this game that I believe is best suited or better suited to contain the other team's running back game. We're talking about Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram taking on Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey. It's a really good matchup at the running back position. The Panthers are the defense that's best suited to contain it, but the question is, will they? And I ask that because Ingram and Kamara lit up the Carolina Panthers in the two regular season games. Ingram and Kamara against Carolina combined to touch the ball 55 times, put up 376 yards on the ground, and find the end zone four times between them in two games. Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey, on the other hand, against New Orleans. Touched the ball 48 times, so it's a little bit less, three, four fewer touches a game for the running back duo, but they only put up 272 yards. That's 100 yards less on just seven fewer touches and only found the end zone half as many times scoring two touchdowns. If Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey do not outplay Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, there is no way the Carolina Panthers win this football game. 
and I don't think they do. I'm going to take New Orleans. We're going to go New Orleans 31, Carolina 23. So straight up, we like the New Orleans Saints at home to beat Carolina against the spread. Might be a backdoor cover, but let's take New Orleans minus the seven points in a game that goes over the 48 and a half point total. All right, folks, those are your straight up against the spread and over under plays for wildcard weekend. Let's go over them here just one more time. In the AFC, Jacksonville, I like them to beat Buffalo 27 to 10. Jags straight up, Jacksonville minus nine in a game that stays under 39 and a half points. And in the 5v4 matchup of Tennessee at Kansas City, I like the Chiefs to win that game by a field goal. Let's go Kansas City 23 and Tennessee 20. Like the Chiefs straight up, but we like Tennessee plus nine points in a game that stays under 44. In the NFC, I like the underdog Atlanta Falcons to go into Los Angeles and beat the Rams. We're going Atlanta 29, Los Angeles 24. We like the Falcons straight up and the Falcons obviously to beat the spread at plus six and a half in a game that goes over the 48 and a half point total and in Carolina at New Orleans the five versus four matchup we like the New Orleans Saints by a score of 31 to 23 Saints straight up we like New Orleans to cover minus seven in a game that goes over 48 and a half points there you have it, folks. Those are my straight up against the spread and over under plays for wildcard weekend 2017 NFL season, 2017 NFL playoffs. Really, really super excited about the fact that playoff football is only a few short days away. It's time for the patented comment of the week from the week 17 episode. And from week 17, our comment of the week from YouTube goes to Mike D who is a new subscriber, a new follower of mine, and he just left one of the best comments that I've ever had on any episode of anything ever. Mike D says, Glad I found you for this 2017 season, Justin. Always you have great insights and analyses, and I'm now a loyal subscriber and Twitter follower. Your record does not reflect your passion and determination. Nice to follow someone who offers it all up at no charge. I hope you continue to offer such informative videos and projections. Thanks and happy 2018. Mike, I can't tell you how incredible of a comment that was. I can't tell you how good that makes me feel. There's a lot of people that do this and try to sell you snake oil or try to sell you picks. Just, just the concept of trying to sell you picks. And that really bothers me. And I know it really bothers a lot of people in this community when it's not that making money is a bad thing. It's that you're trying to sell something that is not like you people and people advertise their picks as this is guaranteed you're guaranteed pay eighty dollars and get your guaranteed pick in this one football game and it's like that no that's not that that doesn't work that's not nothing in football is guaranteed that's why i think personally it's scummy to try and sell picks i really really do i will never ever ever e-v-e-r ever try to charge you money for me to do this and for you to get my picks. My picks, they're how I feel. Like Mike kind of eloquently puts it, 
I put the work in. I put the work in to come up with my picks. I stand behind them whether I win, lose, or draw. And that's the way that I feel like you have to do this. That's the way a ton of people in this community do it. Mike, thank you so much for your comment. That was incredible. I look forward to seeing you next season. Look forward to seeing you throughout the playoffs. Look forward to your tweets on Twitter. And thank you so much for your incredible support. Speaking of incredible support, thank all of you. The regular season is over. It's playoff time now. The games only get more and more important from here. And thank you guys so much, guys and gals, so much for all the support that you have given me this season, in past seasons, on Facebook, on Twitter. I love hearing your comments. I love hearing your thoughts on games. I love hearing you call my pick stupid. I actually really enjoy that because it's fun to go back and forth with people. Thank you so much for everything that you do for me. And I only try to give that back in kind by giving you the picks that I believe in and that I feel the most strongly about. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Again, enjoy the games this weekend. Playoff football, there's nothing like it. There's very little like it in the entire world of sports. Enjoy the playoff games this weekend. We'll see you again for the divisional round.